Hello and welcome to the Gig Stories podcast. A bit of a, a, a chillier one this morning, I think, uh, with me and Chris. We've both got hoodies on. Chris has got uh, a woolly hat on. It's autumn, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, I like it. I like it. I love. I love that it's it's suddenly just gone boom autumn. No warning. <laughs> we, you know, we had no idea this was going to happen, and suddenly it's autumn. <laughs> no, it's I'm quite happy about it. Uh, I like I like it when it's a bit definite rather than just a vague blur into something that's just a little bit not as warm. Um, it's yet. true. It's been a bit. It's been a very uh, uh, wet, rainy week. But I had this really nice image. Look at him. I'm being professional here and bringing it to uh, live music. And I had this lovely image this week. I was in the car and I was sat at uh, traffic lights, and the rain was just drizzling down the, the windscreen and sort of creating that slightly blurred effect in between those seconds of pause that your windscreen wipers give and as I looked up here in Manchester we have some wonderful um, uh, signs electronic signs about our transport about the trams and traffic in general and and it just said um, increased traffic uh, tonight elbow at the Apollo <laughs> three yeah. nights running. And I was just like, that is incredible. Elbow have their own traffic warning around Manchester. And, and it was just perfect because obviously Elbow, you know, in Manchester, we love and embrace them because they're, they're I say ours as an adopted Manx. Well, we're both adopted Manx, I, I, I hope. Um, and what a perfect picture, Manchester's Elbow through through the drizzly rain and it was nice i was like yes those dates are back on they've got three nights at the apollo elbow home doesn't matter about the rain it was a uh, it was all good it was a really nice uh, it was a really nice sight now you've been you've been back at it you've been busy you've had your your long lens out again <laughs> bless you yeah yeah i have i have i had a crazy night uh, last wednesday yeah i'm not sure how you did it no, I'm not entirely sure. I was looking at the timings of your texts to me, stage times, and then your Twitter, and I was thinking, how is he doing this? Go on, tell, tell us about your evening. No, it's bonkers. So um, so Tim, Tim Burgess, had um, the launch, well, the delayed launch of his latest solo album, and it was at uh, Night and Day. And I've never actually um, photographed in Night and Day before. Um, have you not? No, no, it was, um, you know, it, it's one of these ones which just seems to have slipped through. And there are a few Manchester venues as well. I've never photographed at uh, Deaf Institute. Um, wow, that's one of my favourite venues. Yeah, yeah, I've done, I think, actually, there aren't that many. But, I've, uh, uh, yeah, Deaf Institute and Night and Day were uh, ones which I hadn't, um, hadn't done so. Uh, yeah, and so, we should say that actually Night and Day is pretty iconic, isn't it, in Manchester? It's the Night mm. and Day Cafe, and by day it's a cafe and little bar, and uh, and by night it's a venue. But it's uh, it, it's become uh, quite a regular for the people of Manchester, hasn't it? Quite important in the in the live music scene. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I got there um, a little bit early, and I'm really glad I did because I got there and there was a queue of people outside. And so I, I managed to get in and uh, Tim was, um, he was uh, doing a sound check with the band and sounded fantastic. I'm so glad I got there early because um, um, 
Nick, who kindly sorted out the, uh, you know, me photographing there, um, he said, well, you, you know, you can photograph just now absolutely fine and then, you know, do some more during the gig. And I, you know, did, took some shots and snapped away and and it was, it was, it was lovely. And then, it's got to be said, your photos, obviously, I say obviously, you are a wonderful photographer. Those okay. photos look fantastic. And some, and, and the ones of just his sound check. How, how is Tim so effortlessly cool? It's bizarre, isn't it? It's, it's quite something. He was so lovely as well. He was, he's he was so great. amazing. Because I, I, was, I was snapping him and he, he just kind of um, caught my eye and gave us a big smile as if to say, yeah, it's fine. It's cool. <laughs> just take, take some oh, shots. He's, honest, he's, he's beautiful. Yeah. Listeners, if you've never met Tim, never met Tim. Oh, he's, he's such a lovely human being. And yeah, to be able to look so wonderful during a sound yeah. check as well is amazing. Official national treasure, that man. Yeah, he um, really is. He really is. Um, so I did that and then the the audience got let in and it started getting busier and busier and I thought, right, I've got to stay right by the front and I did. And what is, Chris, what is the capacity at night and day, mate? Because I know it's small, but can you guess? Um, I would guess about, oh, it's no more than 250. At, at, at the very most, I would say it's probably less than that. I mean, sometimes it's quite difficult when when um, it's packed. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll check that. But um, but so I mean, but for our listeners, this you, you are up against it as a photographer, there, aren't you? Because it is so small and it is really enclosed, isn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, there's no pit. You're not you're not wandering um, across the front of the stage or anything like that. Basically, you're you're against the the, the speaker or the monitors or the you know what what the monitors are on um so yeah it was, it, it's it just got really packed is that it as a photographer then chris is that something that you do you do you have to have it this sounds awful but i'm ignorant do you have to have a strategy so you go you personally you go to somewhere like night and day and you think oh hang on there's no pit here mm. do you start planning where you think you'll be able to stand when you're then surrounded by people Oh, definitely. In, in places like that, so uh, night and day, as I found out, there's no there's no pit. So um, uh, other places like that are uh, band on the wall, and also gorilla, and um, so you'll you'll not have a pit there. You don't. So the pit um, is just the space in front of the uh, the stage, which is then separated from the audience, so the photographers can walk about and you know get a range right. of shots. So, um, right. like I say, I've never um, photographed at night and day before, but Gorilla is one that I've, I've pho- photographed a few times. I did uh, Jonas Policeman there and um, uh, Slaves. So Slaves was one. Um, I That's was okay. right at the front, and when they got on stage, it, the crowd went absolutely batshit. It just <laughs> went off, absolutely I went bet. off. And I thought, and my strategy there was get a few right from the front and then get around the side because the the most important shots in this gig are going to be the ones of the band interacting with the the crowd. Oh, oh, good call. Yeah, of course. And then so the guitarist, oh God, his name escapes me. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, he he eventually jumped into the crowd with his guitar and um, so... 
was able to get some shots of, of that. Um, Amazing. But it was a good decision because the beer cans were getting thrown around and it just <laughs> went off. So, yeah, you, you, you do have to have a, a strategy to make sure that you know kind of the shot that you want because you can I mean obviously I you know was lucky that I was able to shoot the the sound check so I, I could move around to the side and all that for, for Tim's gig um but often you'll you'll look and you'll see where the seats are you know where the um, guitars are placed so you can guess you, you pretty much know where people are going to be on stage and you go right well I want that shot if I get right, that, then yeah. that's the kind of headline image I've got. And then anything else is, you know, a, a bit of a bonus. So, that, so Sorry, I just wanted to ask you this question. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I know that, you know, people would be interested to hear. To no, hear absolutely. That. And that's that's just the way that I do it. I've learned just by doing. So I, I'm guessing that other music photographers will have a completely different way of doing it. They'll choose that their eye will be different. They'll, they'll want to get yeah. different kinds of shots just because of the nature of their style. Um, and, yeah. but it, it just varies from, from gig to gig really. No, that's fab. So, so yeah, back to your, your, your Tim Burgess. Oh yeah. So and the audience came in next. And it, it, got, it got busier and busier and busier. And I mean, it wasn't, you know, an absolute, um, you know, mosh pit, it, it, but it was it was quite busy and then I was looking at my watch and thinking right I've got to get to another gig and the other gig the headline starts at quarter past nine and it was Ash and it wasn't yes. just yeah and Ash weren't playing at Matt and Fred's just across the road no they were playing at the Ritz which is you know Love the other side movie. of the city centre so um, they were supposed to oh, uh, yeah. Tim was supposed to be on at half past eight and then by quarter to nine so half an hour away from ash going on stage i was thinking i'm i'm cutting this a bit fine here <laughs> and then basically i thought i had a quick look through my camera and thought yeah i think i've got i've got it I, I, you know it would be nice to get shots of the crowd and all that kind of stuff but quarter to and then it got to five to nine and 20 minutes so that meant i had 20 minutes to get out of night and day and walk all the way across to the Ritz. And I walked past the tram line because I thought if I can get to St. Peter's Square or to, to Castlefield Deansgate, then it might save me a couple of minutes. Nah, there weren't any trams um, at that split <laughs> second. So I just had to leg it. And so I legged it and I got there with about two minutes to spare and then photographed Ash at, um, at the Ritz. Um, so yeah, it was great. It was great, and uh, you know, I quite like. I've done it once before. I've done one of those kind of um, oh, nice. crazy nights where I I, I went to photograph uh, in spiral carpets at the Ritz, and then and it was a similar kind of sprint because then I had to get to the MEN <laughs> to photograph madness. Unbelievable, and it was absolutely. In spiral carpet, no madness. It was absolute madness. madness. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, so... what what a night! And and uh, you've already said, but another big shout out to Nick um, and Tim Burgess for arranging that for you, mm. and a big shout out to our drummer boy Rick McMurray. Onion Rick, exactly. Onion Rick, um, previous guest on on this podcast. What a night! And uh, I'm going to big this up because uh, and. 
and you lot will see it on social media. I love seeing Chris out and about um, shooting again. And those photographs from that night and other gigs over the past uh, few weeks are fantastic. And Chris has started collating them and putting them uh, together ready for the Gig Stories website, haven't you? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going to put every gig that I photograph, but I feel like if we do yeah. talk about any of the gigs that either we are both at or that we're, we're chatting about, then I'll pop them up as a, as a wee gallery. So I'm just wrangling the website just now. And so we'll have some from Shed 7 and I'll put on some of um, Skylights and Pigeon Detectives. Yep. And I'll do Tim and uh, New Order from, New from the Order. other week. And Absolutely. any other ones that we we end up at over the next few weeks. So um, and and if they're not on there, and people you want to see Chris's work, go to his website. Now I don't want to get it wrong. What's your website uh, address, Chris? My website is chrispainimages.co.uk. Fantastic. Now moving on, in the same vein, and bigging up Chris yet again. Well, today's episode was just a fantastic chat. I, it was just, it was glorious. Um, and our guest uh, had a bit of a bit of Wi-Fi trouble, should we say, um, was sat outside. And so the, um, the audio cut in and out a bit. And Chris here is, is a master and spent uh, quite, quite some time in the edit, bringing this interview together for us. So thank you for that, Chris. So if you do notice any glitches or, 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 or changes in levels, what Chris has already done is, is sort of heroic. Um, but I promise you, it doesn't take away from, from the interview. And today's guest is none other than Ren Harview. She's great. And I, oddly enough, I photographed her. Well, I'm, I think I mentioned this maybe in the interview, but I, mm. I know that we mentioned it just as we started our chat with, with Ren. But I photographed her at one of the first ever gigs that I photographed um, when I took up photography. At um, It was just outside Swinton Town Hall in Salford. Oh, wow. Yeah. Down the road from me. Yeah. And um, she was... So this was not long after her first album came out. So this was, I think, 20... It was either 2013 or 2014. I think it was 14. And, and she played this, this festival. There was, a, there was a fantastic Smiths um, covers band tribute act called... Uh, I want to say Smiths Incorporated. Smith's Limited. Or Smiths Limited. I can't remember, but the, I, I remember the, 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 the Morrissey was... Um, he looked very much and sounded very much like Morrissey. They were great. Um, but Ren was... Was it Ren, actually Morrissey, mate? Do you know what? It could have been Morrissey. Yeah, I think so. Um, no, it wasn't Morrissey. Um, <laughs> but Ren was was knockout. She was really cracking. And um, I, I took her, her picture afterwards. I took her portrait afterwards. Um, so that was one of the first portraits that I ever took. Um, she, she, she is, she's fascinating, isn't she? And... Yeah. People, I was going to say deserve, but this sounds a bit shite, but people need to hear her voice. Yeah. Ren is such, her voice is incredible. And, and, and she is, she is unique. And that's, that's often a, a word used when people don't know what else to use. But if you listen to her music 
and you read her interviews and you see her, she is unique. She's like no one else. She's yeah. just fantastic. And, and everyone should, uh, should hear Ren Harview. And so it was, it was a great chat. Yeah, if you listen to two albums, um, they, will, they will transport you, really. They will really transport you. You are absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely right. They really will. Um, and I, it, it was great listening to her music uh, again. And she's, she's been sort of regularly every couple of days on my, uh, on my playlist. So that's enough chat from us. Um, let's, let's get straight into the interview. I, honestly, I think you're going to love it. So here she is. This is Ren Harview. Welcome to the gig stories, as always, with me, Alex, and my friend Christopher. And it's a beautiful summer evening, and we are privileged to introduce you to singer songwriter Ren Harview. How are you doing, Ren? I am doing great. Uh, thank you for asking. How are you? I, I, do you know what? I am very hot. We've had a beautiful day up here in Salford. See, you left Salford, Ren, and you've left you've left the weather behind. It's gorgeous. Alex, I'm guessing I'm guessing that it's probably quite warm in London as well. <laughs> it is lovely today. I'm sure. I'm sure. It almost feels, although you, now you've told me you live in London, it almost feels this episode is like a home fixture because you know I'm up in Salford and. Ren, you are a Salford girl. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. I'm from Broughton. From Broughton. Do you miss it up north? I miss the people. I miss the people for sure. I miss the humour, and I miss the, uh, the the wit. I noticed that when I when I lived in London, when I lived in London, it's just it's different, isn't it? I love London, and I I would probably move back. I would move back there if the time was right, but I do just miss chat. You know, in London, I never felt like I could chat on public transport or anything like that. Yeah. Whereas up north, even, I feel like I can. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's a different vibe, for sure. It is. It is. So how's, I was going to say, how's your past year? And, and again, I keep saying to, to, to friends, it's been a weird one for everyone. But you released Reveling in the Drama just as we got into a pandemic. Yeah. How's that all been and how's that all played out for you? Um, I think now it's played out for the best. Um, you know, at the time I was I was really unsure of how I was supposed to handle the situation because um, because the world had kind of folded in on itself. I didn't feel like I could be I didn't feel like I could be upset, you know, um, because there was so much going on. But, you know, I'd worked eight years for this. And um, I had a hard time with it. I had to really actively, um, you know, I, I had to, I had to basically dive into Eckhart Tolle, the spiritual um, guy, and and like just read his book, uh, A New Earth. Um, that that kind of pulled me out because I just, um, I think in that situation, like I just. For a second, I, I felt like it was personal. And then I realized like what an egoic thing it is to think that, that, it, that it's personal. Hmm. So I knew it wasn't personal, but 
um, you know, my, my, my mind didn't really know how to take it. So there was a, there was a period of just like, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't really know what to do. I mean, luckily, just before lockdown happened, I moved in with a group of friends um, and who are all musicians. So on the night that my album came out, I came downstairs into the basement. That's where all like the music is set up. And they like had a little had a little party for me. Oh lovely. That was like that was that was a huge, you know, it was it felt so nice, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's not been easy. You just feel like now you're in a better place? Yeah, I feel I'm, I'm in like a completely different place. I put my entire like um reason for being and my whole identity on this album coming out and doing well I hadn't really stopped to imagine what would happen if something was to get in the way or it didn't do well you know you can get really get caught up as an an artist in like you're looking for validation all the time you're looking for like people to pat you on the back and tell you like no, it's great that you're doing this, you know, that you're doing that. It's a, it's an amazing realization because once you realize it, you, you know, you're free. So I'm not, I'm not looking for it anymore. I don't, I just don't really care. I don't know, really know what's happened. You know, it's like, I don't need it or want it in the same way that I did a year and a half ago anyway. And I'm, I'm really glad. I'm so yeah. Glad. I was going to ask, um, had, had you completed the album? Was it all done and dusted just before lockdown or did you still have to um, polish it, you know, after things went pear-shaped in March? No, it, no, it, it came out the week of lockdown, the first lockdown. It came out within that week. Wow. So, you know, as I say, you know, how upset am I allowed to be, you know, because it's yeah. like the world's ending. So I didn't feel like I could be upset, but I was really upset. Um, yeah. And then feeling sort of gu- guilty for it as well. So it was, it was just a really odd time. And I think a lot of musicians just didn't really know what, what to do or how to handle it at all. Yeah. And I think you're allowed to feel your feelings. Uh, and then it's about yeah. managing those feelings. And you mentioned Eckhart, you read in, and my wife and I are massive fans of him. Um, yeah, and and I obsessed. think you, you you yourself mentioned, you know, that's eight years in the making. And you know what? You release an album all after eight years and you you go into a pandemic. I think you deserve you deserve the, the right to have those those feelings and work out what your emotions are. Yeah. But it's it's genuinely lovely to hear that you're in a different place now and, and you're through that and before we move on what what an amazing album what a genuinely wonderful reception that it did get especially critically which you must have been over the moon with yeah yeah can can i share my favorite quote from a review it's yeah. like nick cave doing broadway <laughs> Yes, nice. I absolutely. I, I just, I love that because I am such a big Nick Kay fan, and um, I think it, I think that sums it up as well. It's just, it, it's a, it's a wonderful yeah. album, Ren. I was going to say I was photographing um, the Magic Numbers on Saturday, and I'd, I'd photographed them before, but I'd forgotten how infectious they are as a band and how just kind of happy they make me feel and I'm I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> that working with Romeo must have been um a pretty nice thing um how, you know working with him in the studio yeah it was meeting and working with Romeo pretty much like transformed everything really 
in my life. Because just for so many reasons, but but yeah, he is he's extraordinarily giving and patient and kind. Um, without you know, there's no patronizing you. I can't tell you how how much I'd up to that point when I met him, how patronized I'd been by by people that I'd worked with. And I was I'd been sat there since the age of 17 thinking, I know exactly what's going on. And you don't think that I do. And I, you know, and it was a quite an isolating, lonely place to exist. And then I met Romeo and it was like meeting like a fellow like lost lost child or something like <laughs> Neverland. It was a bit like that. Yes. And, but not only was he but not only was he lovely and, and all those things but he also works extraordinarily and has an amazing work ethic and you have to bring your a-game when you're with Romeo you don't want to coast you don't want to do you know pretty good you want to do the best thing you've ever done yeah. because you know he's a genius and and like and he really, really cares about the music. It's all about the music. Oh, I, yeah. I love that. And he, he's one of those people and artists that I've only ever heard wonderful things about. In fact, our, a previous guest on the podcast, Catherine Williams. Oh, yeah. Um, it, you know, just dotes, dotes on, on all of them in the magic yeah. numbers, not just Romeo, but all of them. And it's just, that's so good to hear that there was that person that came into your life at that moment and just was the catalyst for you to think, oh, mm. here it is, I've got it. So that must have been a, just a, a wonderful experience. Had you known him before you started working with him? No, I, I, I knew of the band, but um, I, didn't, I didn't know him. He sent me an email out of the blue. He saw me on um, Jules Holland and sent me an email. Wow. And I remember just thinking that the email was just quite different to, to the usual, like, do you want to work together kind of thing. It was just different. And it made me a little bit curious because the email was quite weird as well. Um, and then when I met him, I was like, he's amazing. And he is slightly strange as well. <laughs> and, um, you know, all that kind of was going on. And I, I think what it is, is that I was just like, oh, he's just like a, he's like a true artist. And it's just all about the, the art for him. That's, that's all like, because, you know, you can work with people and they're like, okay, today, you know, you're going to work with someone who wrote, uh, you know, with this pop star and this pop star, and they're really good at doing this kind of chorus. And it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd done so, I'd done so much of that. And then when I met, Romeo it was kind of like there was just no um there was no formula really in terms of like this is what I think you're like and this is what I think we should write about it was more like let's talk about you know flowers for a bit you know I'm going to take you way back and just ask about um, when you were growing up. I mean, what was the household like in terms of music? Was there a lot of music in the house when you were when you were a kid? Yeah, um, I lived with my mom in a bungalow in Broughton. Um, and because we were in a bungalow, there was no stairs, obviously. So my mum was very into playing music late and loud into the night. So because, because there was no stairs, I would always kind of, I've said like the, the music was like sort of my lullabies when I was a kid. So, 
you know, it was it was eclectic. It would be the fall one minute, then Billy Holiday. Um, I remember those two were played a lot when I was a kid. She was into Deruti column and like um, lots of soul, Stevie, lots of Stevie Wonder, um, lots of John Cooper Clark. You know, like Salford people love Salford artists and. But you know, my mum was like in theatre company, and so there was lots of theatrics going on. And then my dad, my dad was a pub singer, so um, my mum was more sort of avant-garde. And then my dad was like, you know, in the pub, he would have everybody singing and clapping and transfixed. And he would do a lot of standards, you know. I would do like Simon and Garfunkel and like John McLean and Gilbert O'Sullivan, like you know, just like classic songwriting. Yeah. So I'd I'd often hear I'd often hear those like classic songs when I was growing up, and you know, I heard them so much that like um, it kind of trained my ears in into what was like a great song, what made a what made a great song, and what made a good song. What was the thing that tipped it over the edge and into it being a great song? Yeah. Sometimes it can be a melody, but sometimes it can be a, a, a choice by a particular musician at, at the recording. You know, it, it, it can, yeah. it's so, it's almost intangible. And I think when we set out to start to do this podcast, I think that's, it's a similar kind of thing. We set out to work out what made, makes a good gig great and what makes a, a good gig kind of tip the other side. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and with music, it can be the tiniest little thing just that you know an accent a phrasing whatever so so i'm assuming then you were exposed to live music at a at a very young age with your with your dad singing yeah i mean my mum would have a lot of barbecues in the back garden and you know uh loads of people would come from like around the area sit in the back garden and my dad would play the guitar a lot of people would sing you know that weren't singers but they would sing and so I, I learned very early on, I got a sense of what makes the, what makes the space even quieter than usual. Um, what that was, what that, that magic that happens. I, I got a sense of it when I was really young in either like the phrasing, the delivery, the silence. So yeah, I, I learned it, you know, and definitely learned it. So can you, can you pinpoint the moment that you thought, I want to do this. Or at least did you join in? Did you join in when you were younger? When you had those barbecues and or were you just stood in the back? Yeah, watching? I never joined in. I was really shy. And um I was really shy. I I wasn't um a stage school jazz hands kind of kid. Um I was when the, <laughs> I was when the doors closed, when I could be alone, and then then the show would start. But um I found it really difficult. Um, I didn't even know I had any kind of talent at all. Even when I started to sing and people started to react quite strongly, I didn't really even think it was me. Um, but the passion for it has probably come in in the, the last few years. Just because I think when you, you're so afraid all the time, it's hard to enjoy it and it's hard to know if it's what you want to do because it makes you so frightened. <laughs> Yeah. But now, I could say now at this age, at thirty-one, this is probably the most the most certain I've ever been that I want to do it. Yeah. Do you think that you suffered with sort of imposter syndrome then, or do you do you think it was it was something else? I mean, yeah, I think there was definitely that. 
um, I didn't really have a lot of support. And so I, um, and then when I got into the business, um, it was just a very, all very strange. It wasn't, um, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself at all, especially on, on the first album, you know, I was, I was like a shrinking violet the yeah. whole time. And um, I didn't have, I, I had no idea that I, that I could write songs. I didn't know that I was, I, I kind of told myself like, yeah, I'm a good singer, but like, so what? But yeah, I think so, probably every musician has a bit of imposter syndrome, for sure. But there's still then that desire to perform because it, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were put in, you were back in the MySpace days and you were put in videos and music on MySpace, weren't you? So it, it, there must have been something there for you to at least have the confidence to, to put it out out there well, in the world I guess but if I'm honest the reason <laughs> I had a MySpace account is because friend of a friend gave me free studio time and I was dumped and I wanted to show the guy that I was with that I was over him so I put the, song, the songs on MySpace that was it um I with, with, love with, that so much with like a with like a pouty photo you know <laughs> um and it was like, I'll show you. I'm so over you. Like, you know, I never thought I would be contacted. I, I lived I lived a really small little existence. I, I didn't, we didn't have any showbiz connections. We were just, I was just living in a bungalow with my mom. Like nothing was going on at all. I didn't, um, I was completely and utterly shocked when I got a message from a manager. I couldn't believe it. Maybe, may, but, but, but maybe somewhere in my mind, you know, but initially it was it was because I got dumped. There must have been somewhere, yeah, there must have been. Live gigs then, start going to live gigs first as a punter or actually were your first live gigs as, as a performer? They were as a performer, yeah. So you didn't go to live gigs before then? No, never been anywhere. I'd not done anything. The first time I went to London, I had a meeting with David Joseph, head of Universal. I didn't even know how to get on the tube. I didn't even know how to scan the ticket. And I had a meeting at Universal. That was the first time I went to London. How, how old were you? 17, 18? Yeah, I was 17, yeah. So and I'm now totally intrigued. So what was your first gig then? Stevie Wonder. Brilliant. Nothing like starting with a good um, you yeah. are kidding me. It was when it was at the... Um, it was at the the MEN. Um, I was nineteen. That's the first gig, proper right. gig that I went to. Who, who did you go with? I went with my mum and my like Stevie tonight. I was as soon as I as soon as he like sang the first note, I burst into tears. I remember that. It wasn't even a slow song, but I was completely overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed that he was in the room. Was it relief? Was it something that you'd always wanted? Or, or was it because this was the man that you'd heard played in your house, you know, growing up? Was it sort of nostalgia? Was it just everything? Yeah, it was. A, it, it, well, it was just like the closest thing to magic. Sorry, I was just going to say, was it in 2008? I think it might have been, yeah. No, I was at the gig. Are you kidding me? That's the... Oh, my God. So, listener, Chris is actually... Uh, so for regular listeners, you will know that Chris has his folder of ticket stubs and he has just shown Ren 
his ticket stub from that gig. Wow, we were at the same gig. Yeah, I was at the same gig, but it was really, um, I mean, I, I loved everything about what he was doing, but we had some really annoying people in front of us who were singing at the top of their voices. And I, I don't mind people getting involved, but when you're so far back and all you can hear is the people in front of you. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, very annoying. But yeah, he was he was knockout. But wow, first gig, excellent. I'm, I, I love that you had that experience experience because so many people just have different experiences and go to a gig and yeah we had fun but for him just to open his mouth yeah. for the first words and you just think this is this is magic yeah I just I I love that so much mm-hmm. I don't suppose you I don't suppose you kept the ticket stub. I don't think you, I don't suppose you have anything from that concert, do you? I, I might have done, but I kept it in a shoebox, which I did burn. Um, it's a long story, but um, <laughs> there was lots of love letters in this. I, I, I had a special box of special things, but when I got my heart broken, I burnt it. So I think the tickets were in there, unfortunately. But the oh. memory is still alive. Exactly, exactly. Well, I've got I've got my ticket, and I'll I'll post it on Twitter so you can have a look at the ticket. Um, <laughs> but I just I, all I remember about the gig, apart from the the annoying people in front, was was just the the set list was just the most incredible thing I'd ever heard. Because you know when you've been going yeah. since the well the the early sixties, every single I mean it's I suppose second only to you know you've got Prince doing his greatest hits is like of twenty five tracks. Stevie's Stevie's set list was just boggling. Yeah, it was pretty much downhill from there after that. <laughs> oh come on, you've got it. You've you've got to tell us why now. How how did it go downhill from Stevie Wonder? What what <laughs> came next? I mean, was it was it gradual or did it really just drop? I it's probably my own. No, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, but I think it was because the first gig I had was probably about. Um, a year later, it, it's that. No, I, yeah, maybe within that same year was when I when I started doing my own shows. And where was your first gig? The first gig I did was in Liverpool, at the Zanzibar. Oh, Zanzibar! Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it was a, that was the first time I saw men in um, vintage clothes when I went to Liverpool in flares and long hair and stuff like that. <laughs> and they were all hanging around at the Zanzibar and. Um, I remember thinking, like, this is a tough crowd to impress. I know this lot have got all the B-sides going on. Like, <laughs> I, could feel, I could feel it. So I knew that I had to bring it for that. Even yeah. if it was my first, first show was Liverpool. It was a proper hipster crowd. Just like, mu- like cool music nerds. Oh, That's I, what it was in there. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I used to be one of them. And that hasn't, sadly, that hasn't changed. So it was like that. Back in 97, when I first went to Liverpool, I was there in 97 to 2000. And <laughs> I was wearing those. I'm so sorry, Ren. I was wearing those clothes. I would go to Zanzibar. And that has been, that that still happens in Liverpool. If you go now, that's still, it's still exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, I, I, I loved it though, because it was kind of like, oh, like people really care about music. Yes, they do. You know, like they really care about it and it's niche, you know, it's not like what's on the radio. These people don't care about that. So it was a good room to play, you know. Um, You didn't feel like you were being judged other than 
the songs how good are the songs you know oh what can you remember then can you remember anything else about the actual gig then whether it was <laughs> someone's face or how you felt it went or reactions or the smells the sounds well i remember um because one of the songs on the first album, Open Up Your Arms, that was written by Dave McCabe of the Zootons. And yeah. he came to that show that in the, the Liverpool. I remember seeing him stood at the back. And I remember when I came off stage, he said to me, like, um, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I cried like when he was singing the tune there at first in tears. Um, and I didn't expect uh, him to say that because um, I just didn't. No. So it was really nice, you know, it was a really nice moment. What a wonderful moment. Did seeing his face make you nervous or did it actually help you? Yeah, I, I was always nervous at, around that time because everybody was older than me and seemed to know so much more than I did. Mm. And um, I just felt nervous. I felt like I was trying to get in with a crowd or something, you know, like I just felt behind like you were playing catch up yeah i was just like okay there's a scene going. i went i'd go to liverpool a lot you see like the first time when i first started making music i was always in liverpool because my manager was from liverpool so i got introduced to that scene you know and like abby from the zootons and um howie Payne, you know they yeah. just i just thought they looked so cool and they they were into such cool stuff you know like I hadn't really been around that much in Salford. It wasn't, that wasn't really the vibe in Salford as much. So, no. but, I, but I was intrigued, you know. Do you feel now that you don't, when you go on stage, that you don't have to prove anything? Do you feel like you have a change of confidence where you don't have to win the audience over, you know what you're doing and mm. here's my songs? Or do you, still, do you still have those slight feelings that you did at the beginning? Well, I'm not nervous in the same way where I'm having a panic attack. Yeah. But now it's more like I'm hyper hyper conscious of the audience and how they're feeling. Yeah. I, I want to be the best performer, you know, um, and I, I want to be an icon. Like, I wouldn't be here if I didn't. So it's kind of like, for me, what do I have to do to, to make sure that when the audience walk out, they are completely and utterly enchanted? I don't for a second become unaware of that audience I'm like you know looking and in, looking into the the audience looking into their eyes I'm like um I'm constant I'm, I'm just wanting to make the best show ever I, if, if if you know I, I change the set list nearly every night I change the songs around I want to keep it fresh exciting I don't want it to I want it to be surprising you know it's like I'm worried I I working my ass off up there i don't for one second sit back like and go i've got this you know yeah. <laughs> i'm just um never for, for you as a performer how do you keep it fresh for yourself because for the audience it's it's changing the set list things like that does that then automatically refresh it for you or do you have to do something else to help keep you spontaneous and feel like you you you've you're performing in a genuine way if the songs that i'm not into i won't do them even if they're my own songs like i, I won't do them um because there's nobody with a gun to my head telling me you have to do these songs so and you mean in in the moment do you actually mean in that moment if you think i am not yeah. feeling that right now you yeah just... i won't do it 
I've done it in the past. Um, I've done it loads in the past. And like, I just, um, yeah, well, I won't do that anymore. But, you know, there's some songs that are, you know, say like, especially hard to sing. Like I've got a song on Revel in the Drama called Yes, Please. And, um, yeah. you know, it's three, three choruses, three big choruses, and it's falsetto the whole time in yeah. the choruses. And then in the verses, it drops back down. And it's a really tough vocal and it's um, it's it's a sat back delivery. So although it's really challenging to sing, it's it has to feel sat back and sultry and slinky. So the two things are going on at the same time. And I don't always want to do that one because sometimes, you know, I've been in the van for six hours and I don't want to do it, you know, but like I realize that it's one that goes down really well and uh, you know I love the song so it's it's pushing through that it's it's like there has to be those you know there is an element that you have to push through and you go okay come on let, let's do it you know yeah um, do you know something that's just crossed my mind now having spent years and years going to going to gigs and and even being that person that would occasionally get a set list a set list especially if you're a band is just practical for for you is a set list restrictive or do do you feel like that you can change it i don't know if i'm eloquent enough to explain how i'm feeling but it's just as you were talking then do you feel that a set list is just a guide and and actually you just change it whenever you want because i'm not aware of that as as a fan watching a band so i i don't actually know if they have ever changed, you know, I'm sure they do. The yeah, order. I change mine all the time. Mid-set. Uh, yeah, as I say, I'll have the, I'll have the guard. Yeah, it, I'll have it as, as a guide. Yeah, but mid set. Yeah, I'll, because sometimes you know you might want to bring a slinky, sexy vibe, and the crowd is um, you might be playing in a church, and yeah. it yeah. feels weird. And then there's other times where you walk out and the crowd are like, hey, and it's like very and like boozy and you think they don't want the introspective uh things right now they don't want that they want they want up they want so i have to change it on the spot you know i'm always molding to what the atmosphere around is yeah i don't know i don't know if everybody does that but i do it i mean it's a bit it's a bit like the a, a stand-up um stand-up comedian you know if, if, they're, if they're not getting the surreal yeah. stuff that i've started off with maybe they'll get the um yeah you know the this the, the observational stuff or the or the gags or you know that kind of thing when you are writing and recording songs as an artist do you take into consideration how they will sound live or do you think about how they will sound and does that affect how you write or finish a song at all i think sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't um sometimes i think about it other times, like the song comes out so quickly that I'm trying to chase it, and so I don't, I don't think about anything else other than trying to get the song finished. Um, but I think about it more now. I've got a studio now, um, which I've never had before. So I have, I now have a studio in Hoxton, and uh, it's where I am at the moment. And um, so, because all the ideas that I have, I can immediately go in and start working on them that's opened up a massive world for me. And yeah, I do think about the live aspect now. You know, I, I just want the audience to be thrilled from start to finish, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I am thinking about it. It's funny because I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't know. Um, uh, and so it, it, it's just something that's interested me, whether it, it's in the back of a performer's mind or, or, or not at all. And do you, do, uh, is it intrinsically linked, your, um, the potential of playing the songs live? Because some artists are just on, on records and do very few gigs and, and have told me that they're not even, you know, performing them live is not their favorite bit they just love to be in the studio and they just love recording uh how what's your relationship with your songs and, and playing live um i think both uh both for me um i love the i love the studio and i, I love the live aspects as well live for me it really makes you you know you can have the, a song that you know, you've written in five minutes that you think, oh, I'll pull that one out tonight. And it goes down amazingly. <laughs> you can have songs that you've worked on for months and then you bring it to the audience. And for some reason, it's a little off and you don't know why. You've written with lots of people and some people that I just love. You know, we've mentioned Romeo and I love Ed Harcourt as well. Have you have you played live with any of the people that you've you've written with, well, Romeo Stoddart's in my band. He's my guitar player. He's a, he is actually the guitar player in live. Yeah, Brilliant. and his sister Michelle is it plays bass in my oh, band. Oh, Michelle's in there as well. Brilliant! Happy birthday, Michelle! By the way, it's her birthday today. Yeah, it's birthday today. Yeah. Oh, yes. fab. And you're going off on on tour with them. But when when's the tour? When does the tour start? Um, I'm opening up for them on the fifteenth um, of. September and then yeah they're going to be playing in in my um in my band in November brilliant yeah they're, they're the best are you are you looking forward just to getting back out to live gigs you must have missed it have you have well I just did 16 dates um I got back about a week ago um like the revive live and um the music venue trust like sorted it out and uh organized a load of shows I couldn't believe yeah. it. it came out of nowhere and um they really they really like looked after me you know like um i couldn't i couldn't believe it really and so i've played uh i've played i've played places i've never been to um i was just thinking before we were chatting like some of the venues that really stood out to me just for different reasons so i was thinking what is it about certain venues that make them more memorable than other places some of the ones on this tour that really stood out to me was like in deal i played this place called the lighthouse and just just amazing amazing vibes i don't know like the owners were lovely really looked after me and like um and then there was another place in hull um called the adelphi which was like yeah. that was like um old school rock and roll when i turned up there it was quite a you know, it was one of those venues where they had like a venue cat and, and um, <laughs> the, there was there was just characters everywhere and the place was decorated and it just had so much character. And when you play a few venues that are quite like tick boxy of like not really got any personality, then when you go to somewhere like Hull, um, especially when you've been taken by surprise, you don't you're not expecting anything and you turn up and the the, the people that run it are like really interesting and like really polite and really lovely and then the venue's dead cool it does have an effect on the crowd it has an effect on you and then it has an effect on the crowd and like it's really interesting what happens and and then like I did a few churches and like that was really different as well I um 
because what I've noticed with like churches is that generally people are a lot more reserved. I think because they're in church, you know, mm. they're kind of like in the pews, like the, the churches were still in use. Yeah, I played um, played a 500 year old church in Ashford. Yeah, 500 years old, this, like gorgeous Gothic church. As I say, I've played in places that I've never been to. I've never been to Peterborough or like Ashford, Deal, like any of these places. And um, <laughs> but people are really up for the music. I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was like I had no idea what the reception was going to be like, you know, like are people going to be into this? I'm playing more acoustically for this one. You know, I prefer to play with a band, but just like we had to go like acoustically for this one. Are they going to get bored? <laughs> I, I've never even had merch and selling merch and like people buying it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's mad. It, it's mad going to somewhere like Hull and, and like seeing people sing along to your music. Yeah, it feels like people are more than ever just so much, so up for it, so up for music. Like, I, you know, it's like pin drop silence for all the gigs, you know. I love that. I love that. You, you must have just had a smile on your face for the past two weeks or so. Yeah, there was lovely atmosphere, like most of the shows. You know, there was one or two that were a bit dodgy maybe, but on the whole, you know, it was like, I was shocked, you know. going to take you into our quick fire round and as we always say it just never turns out quick fire mainly because of me so i'm going to try really hard to not keep talking so is first one who is your favorite voice or favorite vocalist live rufus wainwright see alex See, we were, we, were ta- we were talking about your music and i was saying that it was certainly the first album it's like Eddie Reader merged together with Rufus Wainwright. And so I'm really pleased wow. with Ed Rufus. That's, yeah. He's brilliantly. Yeah, I love Rufus. You were right. Yeah, I know I was right. <laughs> um, and what is it about Rufus's his, his voice? Is it is it the... Well, you, you tell me. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I just can't get over Rufus. I can't get over him. I think, I think he's such a brave artist. He has the album, he says, when he, tra- he tried to be a pop star, which is the album that was produced by Mark Bronson, that Out of the Game album. It's like, that was my go at trying to be a pop star. Yeah. But even that, it's like, Rufus, you can't be doing chord changes like that if you, if you want to be in the charts. Like, yeah. you can't. Totally. But still, he does it. Still, he does it because he can't compromise because he's on a different wave. He's on a different, you know, like the music is so unbelievably... Um, emotive beautiful and uh, it's all the things i love about an artist you know vulnerable vulnerable yet knows knows and there's like there's an eccentricity and there's a sassiness and there's like just the air for melody and and as a vocalist i mean who can who can touch him like i don't know the the guy has got a range and control that's just like it's shocking (laughs) like it's absolutely yeah 
you know, and something that really pisses me off actually is that he's not even bigger than he is, but I think it's because he's a bit out there, you know, like it's not, it's not to everybody's taste, which I can understand, but I've seen him live a few times and like when he sits at that piano and sings, like I just lose it. I can't, I can't take it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think want one and want two are kind of the greatest pieces of musical art of the last 30 years. I think they're absolutely yeah. astounding when you look at the, the breadth of the styles within there and the arrangements and the, the, the yeah, the, the melody, the lyric, lyrically as well. Um, Cause yeah. I mean, he's chucking shade about left, right and center on those albums as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just bold. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I love that from an artist. Um, and I mentioned him at the start, Nick Cave. Nick yeah. Cave does that for me. And yeah. um, I've been so lucky to see him in various forms. So I've seen him, mm. you know, full band with the bad seeds playing everything. And then I've also seen him in Liverpool, actually, in the Philharmonic Hall, him and a piano. And he, he just has me in tears. And it's, tears of joy and then tears of sadness and he has that ability to sound like he is a mass murderer and then he has the ability to sound like he's just so fragile and is going to break down and then there's the come and for me it's that that i think that is 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 the drug for me for live music Mm. is is being able to is being taken on a journey i love to go and see bands and artists where i'm just singing along to their greatest hits and we're all joining the chorus but there's a real beauty about seeing an artist like Rufus or Nick Cave and, and, and many others. Tori Amos used to do it to me as well back in the day. And it's yeah. just such a wonderful experience. And, and mm. it's those nights that I just think, I, I just always want to be here. I never want this to end. I would take this moment over probably anything else, anything else. Anyway, this is the quick fire round. Yeah, so question number two. <laughs> um, your favourite ever gig... I think as a punt, let's do a punt as a punter. Well, recently, the first gig that came to my head actually was a band called the Lemon Twigs. Have you heard of those guys? The Lemon Twigs. Wait, the Lemon Twigs. Um, two brothers. They play, they're like, it's like old school rock and roll, 70s, sort of psychedelic. Um, but they're like sort of like musical theatre as well thrown in. Um, I saw them at the Moth Club in London. Um, wow. And that it blew. I mean, they're both still. I think they were both teenagers. Um, but like, um, like Todd Run Rundgren. I never say that last name. Yeah, him, He he loves them. And when I was there, like Brian Eno was there, Alex Turner was there. Uh, it was wow. very like, yeah. It was it, it it was it was insanely buzzy in them. I mean, the Moth Club as a venue is like I love that venue. I'm playing there in November actually. But um, oh, but yeah, yes. check them out. They're, they're just super talented, super interesting. Um, yeah, the lemon twigs. Oh, I've got to, I absolutely have to listen to them tonight now. What is your worst gig? I mean, I, I've seen loads of terrible gigs where I've been fuming that it's not me up there. Um, you know, the, the, the early gigs in Manchester were quite, you know, they were quite, um, what's the word? Rough and ready, <laughs> shall we say? Yes. A lot of hard views and like, you know, half use my, my dad's side, you know, half use in the crowd is always going to be interesting. Um, 
you know, I remember when I was telling like some, you know, earnest moment on stage, it was pin drop. Then at the back, I heard, oh, get on with it. And then I looked, I'm like, who the, who the fuck is that? And it's like, oh, it's my dad. Um, so. Brilliant. I love that. I love that. But yeah, I'd say like the only times I've had a bad gig is just like when the crowd aren't, aren't really asked. And then um, I just get, I, I get, it gets a bit weird. But I've never had disaster, a disastrously terrible gig. If you could front any band, so you you um, you pick up the um, the lead singer and put yes. them in a box, and then you ins- yes, you yes, put yes. yourself in into the the front of the stage. What band would it be? Any at all. This is interesting. I I like this. I think if I was younger, it would be the Runaways. Wow! Didn't I would I would never have guessed that. Yeah, I'd have to keep Joan Jett. Yeah. So yeah, I think I would be in the Runaways, and I would go. I'd go around. I'd, I'd be touring like Japan with the Runaways, and I'd be the front the front woman. Yeah, that is amazing. But keeping John yeah. Jett in there. It, yeah, in the seventies, like yeah, I would. I, that, I would love to do that. Or, or maybe I'd be. Um, I'd kick David Bowie off, and I'd be have the spiders from Mars behind me. He didn't have a bad band, did he? No. That would be incredible. Have I ever told you, Chris, that I used to go and have tea? with uh, Mick Ronson's mum in Hull. Really? Wow. Mm, yeah. There's, there's loads in that. one there for you. Yeah, save that, <laughs> lots save that for the autobiography. Do you know what? And she absolutely adored him and would give oh. me a different piece of memorabilia every time I went and was just so over the moon that someone was showing interest in him as though he wasn't one of the greatest guitarists ever. And I just be like, yes, of course, I would love that CD. Thank you very much. <laughs> wow, amazing. Be brilliant. And she'd be like, I've got a copy here of all the young dudes that they played live. Would you like this? And I'm like, yes, thank you very much. <laughs> anything else? I know. Anything else? Any guitars? Got any guitars around here? <laughs> <laughs> See, I like this question. Um, mm. So often if you're doing a support or if you're headlining and your support gets sorted out for you, you can often be placed with a band or an artist that doesn't quite fit with the kind of music that you do. I'm, I'm guessing that must have happened quite a lot. Um, I think because we're both from the North, it seemed like a good idea, but um, me opening up for the Cortinas at the Apollo <laughs> was, was not a good idea. It's yeah. It's not. It's not a, the most obvious fit, is it? No. No. It wasn't. No. I, it was a sea of men and young boys that did not want to see a young girl on the stage. It, it was just like I'd like you know pierced the male energy in the room, and they were all furious. <laughs> you know, <laughs> gonna have to watch the language or something. So yeah. So I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is a song about periods. <laughs> oh, let me just say this now. I <laughs> love you. And that is the best thing ever. Best thing ever. Thank More than you. anyone, I'm all right with a bit of testosterone and you see a lads band, whatever. <laughs> that's great. Love it. But that is brilliant. And um, oh. I don't think I, I, I've only ever sort of referred to this on the podcast. The Cortinas themselves, I am sure, are lovely people, but they are. Oh, yeah, they were lovely. Were they? Oh, 
typical. They <laughs> but they are they are one of the bands musically that whew, have just gone over mm. my head over the years. Yeah. Um, Shall I cancel Liam for next week then, Alex? Yeah, cancel. No, he's always seemed lovely, but and I've tried, but I just uh, I just don't get it. But there is no denying when they play live, and I've I've seen them twice. You know, once at Glastonbury my, with my kids, and and the crowd went absolutely batshit. It was yeah amazing. They absolutely yeah. have total control over their own crowds. Brilliant, but yeah. the thought of you supporting that is wondrous to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna be <laughs> thinking about that this evening. That's absolutely <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So we we are sort of coming to the end. We we have taken so much of your time. We just have a um, a, a few questions left for you. Who who do you, well? This is sort of a double one. Who do you really wish you could have seen live, but it's impossible because they're no longer with us? And who do you still want to see live that you haven't yet? You know, and you, you, you sort of, you could. Uh, Nina Simone, would I'd love to have seen her live. Yeah. Um, and an artist called Fiona Apple. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been a fan of hers, but now having a big surge with the yeah. latest album, but and I like that album, but actually that's not my, my favorite record of hers. Um, but she's a an in, really interesting person and an interesting presence from what I've seen live on YouTube and stuff. Very unpredictable. Mm. Um, and I love I love solo artists that play piano. Like I'm just a sucker for it. Um, so yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably say those two. Uh, to see the first time um, Fiona Apple um, came in my consciousness was maybe the late, yeah, it'd be late nineties when Pleasantville came out, and her cover yeah. of across, oh, yeah, yeah. across. And we're coming back to Rufus as well because he's obviously done yeah. a cover of Across the Universe. But I remember hearing it and thinking, "What?" Because I I didn't know that it was a Beatles song. I just thought it was an original. Um, but it absolutely oh, really? blew me away. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know it was a Beatles song. Um, because it's not one of the more better known Beatles, really. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, she's she's amazing. Hmm. I can I can I can tell I can tell your influences and your, your loves because you've uh, there's a theme running through yeah. through your answers and I really like that because Nina mm. Simone as well. Uh, Nina Simone w- w- was apparently live was very was very unpredictable like like Bob Dylan and this is now a cliche yeah. on our podcast. We always mention Bob Dylan live because you, you can see him do the worst gig you've ever seen and then also he can turn it on and do the best and so apparently Nina Nina Simone was like that Uh, and often there'd be no rapport with the audience it was just her here's my songs who do you recommend we go and see live um Matt Maltese you heard him no see with every episode we do a we do a, a playlist a spotify playlist of what you've mentioned and um we'll put some youtube videos on your web page as well i'm going to be going back over this and writing down i mean at the moment i think we're going to have about 20 videos on there matt maltese yeah matt maltese t- t- tell us about him well i i heard of him years ago when he was signed to i think it was atlantic and he has he brought a song out called As the World Caves In. And I was like, all right, oh. he's gonna be the next huge star. Like, you know, he's incredible. And then it didn't really happen. 
and then I went to his show and I was blo- blown away by songs and voice and his like just starriness that he had and then like this year he's that that song um has, be- has become like an, a sensation on TikTok. Like, um, yes. it's like one of the biggest songs ever. It's, it's um, everybody has, you know, it's like the TikTok tune, you know? Yes. And it's been streamed hundreds of millions of times and it blows my yeah. mind because I listened to that song maybe three years ago and I remember thinking like, I can't believe this isn't huge. And I guess, you know, now it is. So I'm so <laughs> chuffed for him. Um, it's like he's like enormous now all over the world as soon as you said that song i was like oh, well yeah i know that song obviously but i yeah yeah that's matt maltese no, yeah. yeah no i had no clue i had no clue and i am yeah. almost positive that i have heard it as well coming from my kids phones yeah i'm sure you would have yeah yeah because it's it, it that song is everywhere and I, mm-hmm. that's that's bad of me that i didn't even i've not even taken the time to find out who that yeah, was because it's, it's a he's great got song though it's a brilliant yeah. song yeah and, and live like his voice is just like crazy like it's crazy good well this is going to be an education have you yeah. actually seen him live yeah i did i saw him at uh, is it dingwalls that one in camden wow yeah, yeah camden i went I, I went there yeah and i was really blown away I knew it was going to be good, but I was really blown away. Well, I don't have TikTok, so I'm I'm kind of in the dark. I, f- I feel like I'm. Come on, well, get with it, Chris. Well, get face- your Facebook, on. Instagram, Twitter, and emails, and if I've had something else, do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I'm going to have to give up my job. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's for us, Chris. I'll be honest, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite the demographic. I don't think. Um, so. Retton, you are amazing. Thank you so much. We, we uh, always like to finish an, an episode with another recommendation, um, but it's also a, a question as well. What is your favorite live album or track? It started out as your favorite live album, and then it sort of evolved. Um, you know, mine's Mystery White Boy, Jeff Buckley. And then it just evolved because we realized it could just be a, a live track or it could be a live video. So there's that that wonderful um, Hall of Fame induction where Prince just walks on uh, it, in the middle of, I can't remember which song it is. Well, my just blows everyone away. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Badass. And it is the best because he just throws that guitar is, at yeah. the end and it disappears. And it's like, who's got that mm-hmm. guitar? Where's it gone? So what is your favorite live album or, or track or, or video that you like watching? It's probably um, the live um, albums take, a uh, live album version of um, Heart Food by Judy Sill. Um, she, um, she's like, I don't know, like sort of, I don't even know how to describe her really. Um, she was like, she had a little moment in the seventies, but she was a heroin addict and, um, she yeah. died she had a turbulent life but um you know she's got a, the well-known song is called the kiss and there's a version of it on youtube she you know um of her playing the piano and song but that whole live album like i, I must have listened to that hundreds of times like whilst um i was making revel in the drama like um oh really yeah you should you should check it out it's um there's so many good songs in it yeah definitely well. and that's been a that's been a bit of a constant, has it, through your 
through your musical life, yeah. that album? Yeah, I, mean, I got into it in my early 20s. Like, um, and I don't, it's not like I listen to it every day, but when it comes on, it does always stop me. I have to stop for a minute. It's been, it's been great chatting to you. Um, when, oh, yeah. So you, you're on tour in November, did you say? Yeah, I'm on tour in November. Yep. You in Manchester? I'm playing, yeah, Manchester Gorilla. Yeah. Yes. Um, which I, lo- I love that venue. Love yeah. that venue. So, yeah, it's going to be great. I hope you guys can come. No, we definitely. We'll be there. We'll be down the front. Um, we know we've got a lot of northern listeners. So, Gorilla, if, if you've not been there, then what are you doing? It's a fantastic venue. And let's all go there and we'll all meet at the bar and um, we'll we'll hear Ren sing about periods. <laughs> Rock and roll. Hey. <laughs> it'll be it'll be amazing. It's been so lovely hearing your enthusiasm for music and and so lovely hearing you be, you know, open and truthful. And I, you know, I really appreciate that. So thank you. I know. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys, for the, the great questions and, you know nice vibe and stuff no thanks. worries no Ren Harvey, how was that? See, she's she's just brilliant. I love her. What a, what a what an amazing woman. Yeah, and she's on tour in in November with um, you know promoting the the new album and and as she mentioned, you know basically her band is the Magic Numbers as well. So you get a two for you get a two for one there, um, which is amazing. Which is yeah. amazing. They are they're incredible musicians and and i think both of us are lucky enough to have seen them live quite a few times Mm. um and if you can if there's still uh dates coming up do whatever you need to do to go out and see ren because honestly it's an amazing night yeah and oddly enough um in manchester she'll be playing gorilla as we mentioned gorilla earlier on which is a a great venue for for her it'll be because the acoustics in there are really great yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and how odd was it that I was actually at her first ever gig, uh, Stevie Wonder at yes. the MEN? Yeah, yes, that's that's completely bonkers. I love so, that. You know, I was mentioning the fact that um, the set list was just crazy, and I've got it up. Right, <laughs> and, and I know a few. You've episodes, got what the Stevie Wonder set list? The set list up on um, setlist.fm, which is just, you'll waste an entire day there oh, just yeah, looking at all the gigs. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so he's here. We go, and I know a few episodes back, I, I listed all the Oasis at Loch Lomond tunes <laughs> that they played. So anyway, yeah. just forgive me. So he started with a cover of All Blues by Miles Davis, right? Which is. I mean, oh my God, it's just a crack. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, I tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start with a cover. Yeah. 
then we go as if you read my mind master blaster he stuck number three was master blaster master blaster yeah then living for the city golden lady did i hear you say you love me all i do knocks me off my feet higher ground don't you worry about thing uh, visions ribbon in the sky overjoyed lately which are oh, if you've not heard lately get it in your ears it's just the most yeah. beautiful love song. gorgeous yeah. i'm gonna laugh you right out of my life which is an acting cold cover yeah uh, my sharia more signed sealed delivered then so duke i wish isn't she lovely do i do uptight i just called to say i love you he played it yeah he played it oh cha 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> um superstition <laughs> and then as to finish now that is a set list. I was I'd wish that he'd finished with I just called to say I love you and then at the end you, it can just you goes, imagine cha, cha, a, cha. Gig, <laughs> a gig finishing with cha, bam, cha, bam, cha. Bam. <laughs> good night. <laughs> yeah. That would have been great. Um, that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, so 25 25 tracks and he just uh, yeah, he knocked it out of the park. So And um, you know that's that's what amazes me as well is getting to a certain age i'm 44 and i'm just struggling getting out of you bed. don't look it mate you no, know, i look 54 it, to to at his age to then never mind just do a concert 25 song set list and you know he puts he puts everything he can into it when he performs mm. and it's just yeah what an amazing man yeah what a gig that was what yeah. a, what a gig well we we hope you uh, enjoyed that interview as much as we did. Ren, you're beautiful. And we're so excited that you uh, you are back on the road playing live. So, guys, girls, ladies, gents, get in touch with us. We're on social media. As always, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us your 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 questions, your opinions, your suggestions for for guests. And send us. Send us um, Go on. pictures of gig tickets. So um, we're into the month yes. of October. I just shared yeah. uh, six tickets from October 95, which was a pretty ridiculous month for um, for gigs for me in Glasgow, um, where it was, what was it again? You pulp, had Pulp, Echo, Echo Belly, Belly uh, uh, Black Grape, yeah, Blue, Black Grape. Blue Tones, Marion, and um, then just this little band at the Barrowlands called Radiohead. And um, that was that, that was just in the month of October, and none of them more than nine quid a ticket. I think. Yeah, exactly. Nine fifty. A lot of them were for a while, yeah. weren't they? Ninety five was an amazing year. Yeah. If you've got ticket stubs, or if you've got some something else that reminds you of the gigs you went to that year, please send them uh, send them to us. And I keep on saying, sorry, I was, I was I keep on saying that I'm going to create the, these this gallery page on the website and a page just for gig tickets for pictures of your collections of gig tickets but that's the next thing so if you send in pictures uh, of your gigs gig tickets collections then i'll get them on the website as well we need them first we need them first thank you for listening as always we really appreciate it and uh, chris i'm going to just surprise you here and, and i'm just going to say this and leave it because it's just come to mind because of something you said this is a live music uh, podcast but yesterday it was announced that next june Liam Gallagher is going to play Nebworth. Yeah. Wowzers. See you yeah. in two weeks. I would just suggest that he maybe gets the coach instead of the helicopter, right? <laughs> <laughs>
Think of your nose, Liam. Bye. Bye-bye. Avoid the lawyers, Chris. Stop talking. (laughs) 